It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelation of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or not, or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how he was caught up to paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I should not be a fool. For I will say the truth, for now I forbear, that any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Jesus says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, though neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and rise up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. John chapter 15, verses 3 through 7. Well, Dr. Mitchell continues Paul's defense of his ministry, speaking about a man in Christ and God's grace toward him. Well, here is Dr. Mitchell, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Thank you. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you, and we're down to the end of the 12th chapter of Second Corinthians. We've been dealing with Paul defending his authority as an apostle, which runs right from chapter 10, the first verse down to chapter 12, verse 13. It's a wonderful portion of Scripture. In our last lesson, we were dealing with Paul's sufferings especially the fact that he was greatly concerned that these Corinthians would not be corrupted in their minds away from the simplicity that was in Christ. You see, these false teachers had come in. They were boasting. They were proud. They were good speakers. They uh, came in with a great deal of flair, and the Corinthian church was putting up with them. 
And the sad thing was they were being led away from the simplicity in Christ Jesus. That place where Christ was the center of your affection and devotion. From that simple believing in the Savior who gives life, forgiveness, and so on. Deceived. And then he took up the question of his sufferings in chapter 11. I'm going to be a fool in doing this. I'm not doing this because the Lord wants me to do it. I don't think he meant that. I think he said, I'm doing it because your attitude demands it. These false teachers were glorying in what they were and what they could do. The Apostle Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't live on you. My Macedonia saints, they helped me when I was in need. I even went to making tents. And so these false teachers were running down Paul, who was he, just an old tent maker, so forth and so on. He's not a man of the schools like we are. And yet you remember that Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the great rabbinical teacher of Israel of that time. And he goes on down giving his whole list of what he went through. And, and you remember he had, a, beyond all that, he had the care of the churches upon him. How, how this man carried the burden of God's people. He didn't boast, by the way. He didn't boast about what he had done in the sense of wanting to do that. But he had to shut the mouths of these false teachers and open the eyes of the saints at Corinth. Above all these sufferings, there cometh to me daily the care of all the churches. If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. I would rather glory in the Lord. I'd rather preach on the wonders of our Savior, of His grace, of His glory. But the way you are, I've got a glory in the things of my infirmities. And you remember how he called God to be his witness. God who was blessed forevermore knoweth that I lie not. And then he ends it with a very humiliating thing. When he was in Damascus, the governor of Damascus under Aretas the king, you remember, he, he surrounded Damascus with his guards, with his soldiers to keep, to try and get a hold of Paul. And they let him down in a basket. I can just see the Apostle Paul, that brave warrior for God, getting in a basket and they let him down outside the wall. And I escaped out of their hands, which comes to, to chapter 12. Here you have, in the first 13 verses, Paul had a special revelation on the effect of it. Let me read these first few verses. It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelation of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or not, or out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth how he was caught up to paradise, and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I should be a fool. I should not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, 
And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Let me just stop here for a few moments. He not only is talking about in chapter 11 of his sufferings and of his humiliation, but now I'm going to talk about something far beyond that and talk about revelations. I knew a man in Christ about 14, over 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or not, I can't tell. Or whether out of the body, I don't know. God knoweth. Such in one court up to the third heaven. Then he repeats it, how he was caught up to paradise and heard unspeakable words, words which it was not lawful for man to utter. Let me just stop here. I knew a man over 14 years ago. This man was in Christ. Let me just stop for a moment on that little statement, this man in Christ. You know, that's a wonderful little statement. I think approximately 35 or 36 times in the New Testament, we talk about being in Christ. This is a, a relationship, a new relationship. My friend, if you're not in Christ, you're not a Christian. You're not saved. The moment a sinner comes and receives the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior, puts his trust in Christ as his Savior, as a definite, proper, definite proposition, a, a relationship is established. When he becomes a child of God, you say, oh, that's right. He's forgiven every sin. That's right. He has eternal life. That's right. But something more, more marvelous, he's in Christ. He's in Christ. And God never sees anyone who loves the Savior, who trusts the Savior. He never sees him any other place but in Christ. Ah, oh, friend, I can understand something of that marvelous verse in John fourteen twenty when he said, in that day, that is the day when the Spirit of God will indwell you, and that day you will know I am in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. I had a student ask me today, can a person believe in Jesus Christ and not be saved? Well, I, my answer was, what do you mean by believing? Now, a great many people say, well, Mr. Mitchell, I've always believed that Jesus Christ came, that he's a son of God, that he went to the cross and died, and he was buried and was raised again from it. I've always believed that. But that doesn't make you a Christian. You're just assenting to the facts of the gospel. And having assented to the facts of the gospel, now the question is, what will you do with the one of whom the facts speak? So when a person comes and receives the Lord Jesus Christ, you remember in John 1, 12, to as many as received him, he has a personal relationship. When I came as a sinner many years ago and put my trust in Jesus Christ, I received him into my life, into my life, into my heart. I became a new man with new hopes and new aspirations. I became a child of the living God. I'm joined to the Savior. I'm in Christ. My friend, I'm not asking you, are you religious? Are you good? Are you bad or indifferent? I'm asking you a question. Are you in Christ? You say, how can I get into Christ? How can I come into that relationship? To as many as received him. Personal relationship. 
Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Personal relationship. John chapter 6. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast down. What have you got? Personal relationship. Life can only come through relationship. And so when I read a statement like this, a new man in Christ, I can't help but talk about it because there are so many who have been deluded into thinking because they've assented to some doctrines or some theology or some facts of Christ that that makes them a Christian. Don't be deceived. Life can only come through relationship. You must be in Christ. You can't work your way into Christ. You can't pray your way into Christ. You receive him in simple faith. You put your trust in him. That's what it means in John's gospel. 98 times in John's gospel. Talks about believing. So we have this question in Christ. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or not, I can't tell. Well, if Paul can't tell, neither can I. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, adventure to say what it may be. Over 14 years ago now, now when would that be? I don't know. There's so many years going between them. Someone says, well, it must have been when he was stoned in his first missionary journey. Yet a marvelous stone down there in Lystra, chapter 14 of Acts. He went on to Lystra and they stoned him. They dragged him outside the city and stoned him. And they thought he was dead. They left him for dead at least. The believers gathered around and he stood up. Did he see the Lord then? There are those who believe it might be when he was in, in the wilderness for about two years. He went to the desert. There God met with him. And because of the close proximity to Damascus in the preceding chapter, the end of the chapter, I wonder if it was when he went into Arabia, as Galatians chapter 1 says. He left Damascus, went to Arabia, then he came back to Damascus. But whenever it was, a new man, and I don't know whether he was in the flesh or not, he was caught up to the third heaven. And then in verse 4, he was caught up to paradise and he heard words that must not be repeated, not lawful for man to utter. The abundance of the revelation. He's saying, well, now, who was this man? Well, I think Paul, speaking of himself, when he says, of such an one will I glory, yet in myself I will not glory because of my infirmities, but, but in my infirmities. But though I would, would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seemeth me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. So I take it that here is Paul. He says, I knew a man back yonder over 14 years ago. I don't know whether he was in the flesh or whether he was in the spirit, but he was caught up to the third heaven. He's caught up to paradise. Are these two different places? No, I think it's the same place. The third heaven is the place where God is. Do you remember? He has his throne. As I think it's Job who says he has his throne on the sides of the north. Where God has his throne, he was caught up to the third heaven, paradise. And he heard things that were not lawful for man to utter. And because of the abundance of the revelation that was given to him, thorn in the flesh, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation. 
that was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, a stake in the flesh. Boy, that's painful. But what is it? It's the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And Satan can't do that unless God permits it. Lest I should be exalted above measure, and I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Marvelous thing here. Wonderful thing. Caught up to the third heaven, and whatever he saw, whatever he heard, he couldn't speak of it. So wonderful. But his own personal testimony was, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. You know, it's an amazing thing. Here this man who had gone through all the sufferings in chapter 11. Now I find him that God permits Satan to put a stake in his flesh, a thorn in the flesh. This is physical, painful. And then you notice in verse 8, three times, it may have been more than that, but at least three times he prayed that the Lord would cause it to depart from him. And the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Why didn't the Lord answer Paul's prayer? I thought Paul's prayer would always be answered. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. What for? I want you to experience the power of Christ. Let me read the verses. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory, rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Notice it. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. My, what a wonderful thing. Listen, friend, it may be you're going through some difficult times and you've prayed and prayed and prayed for the Lord to touch your body. And he didn't do it. Didn't God hear your prayer? Yes, he heard it the moment you branched it. Doesn't he love you? Of course he loves you. Does he care for you? Yes, he cares for you. And it just seems as if God doesn't hear and God doesn't answer. But I tell you, my friend, God knows. He cares and he's working it all out for the glory of God and for our blessing. Notice it. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Is that stake that has been pushed into your flesh hurt, Paul? It sure does. Lord, take it away. No, my grace is sufficient for you to stand it, to rejoice in it. And then he made, he made a tremendous statement. For my strength, God said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. God is saying this, my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, friend, we get so occupied with ourselves, we forget what God is doing. My strength, when you think you're strong, you don't need the Lord. It's when you're weak, it's when you're suffering, you're discouraged. His strength is perfected in weakness. Now, 
I don't know if anybody, very, very few, will do what Paul did. Listen to what he says. Most gladly, therefore, most gladly, therefore, most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then am I strong. My word is scripture. Most of us growl in our infirmities. Is that not right? Do you remember Romans 5, 3? Paul says, we glory in tribulations because tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit was given to us. You remember the disciples, they saw the Lord feed 5,000 with five loaves and two freshers, power of God. But my friend, it was when they get into the next test, when they're in trouble, the Lord sent them across the Sea of Galilee. But a storm came up. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night, Jesus came walking on the water. And as I be not afraid, it was in the storm that the disciples learned Jesus, who he was and what he was. Even the winds and the waves obey him. The multitudes were never in the storms. The multitudes never saw that. It was the disciples who loved him. Maybe you're in a storm today. You wonder what to do. He's with you in the storm. And he's going to make himself known to you in the storm. He's going to bring you through the storm into a quiet calm. Most gladly, therefore, said Paul, I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Ah, I tell you, friend, it's a wonderful thing to experience the power and strength of God when you're weak. You don't do it when you feel strong. It's when you're weak, you feel frail. Sometimes I come to this microphone to talk to you folk, and I don't feel like doing it. And then the Lord gets a hold of me. I experience his strength in my weakness. I tell you, I've got a personal Savior who loves, who cares, who understands. Even when nobody else understands, he understands. I would like to say with Paul, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. But I don't. I'm more liable to growl or to find fault, you know, or to fuss about it. But when we're weak, then are we strong? You know, I would like to say to you folk, and I don't want to go any further today because following verse 11 on down through 13, you have his testimony and you have his apology. It's very simple. When he goes on through, God is for, I am become a fool in glory, but you compelled me. You take chapter 11 with all his physical opposition, beaten, shipwreck, etc., stoned to death, and so on. And now he's got a thorn in the flesh. God doesn't answer his prayer the way he wanted it answered. God allowed him to have the thorn in the flesh. My grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> I'll glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Oh, I wish in some way I could put that in words the way I feel. Because I know I'm talking to some people 
who are in infirmity. And you've been there for months. Some have been shut in. Some of you in nursing homes. And some of you are frail. And some of you got arthritis and some other things. You suffer a great deal. I've got some friends who greatly suffer. Suffer a great deal. The great sufferers. But they rejoice in the fact they belong to the Savior. And they look, they're anxiously looking forward to that day when our Lord shall come and take these frail bodies and fashion them like unto his body of glory. Wouldn't that be a wonderful day? Huh? Huh? Wouldn't it? No wonder John says, even so come, Lord Jesus. I respond with him. Even so come, Lord Jesus. These boys are frail, but he is mighty. And even the Lord doesn't answer your prayers the way you want them answered. That does not mean he didn't hear you. That does not mean he doesn't care. That does not mean he doesn't understand. That does not mean he can't cure you and heal you. He has something far better for you. Far better? Yes. I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. But when I am weak, then am I strong. May God grant to you and me to keep our eyes on the Savior. And in our weakness, we experience his strength. He's a wonderful Savior. He's a marvelous Savior. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Now the Lord bless you now for his wonderful namesake. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.